Cher has a bone to pick with Wendy Williams. This is TFG Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. An off-the-cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Welcome to TFG Unbuttoned. John Nash here in New York with my good friend and co-host Tim Bennett in Philadelphia. Find out more about us at focusgroupradio.com, and there you will learn about our Wednesday broadcast, The Focus Group, which is often live on Facebook and YouTube. And all our media is always available at focusgroupradio.com, both audio and video. And you can also subscribe to your favorite feeds there. So head on over and start your focus group journey. So, Tim, welcome to the third week of January already. (laughs) Yeah, well, happy Tuesday. It's the 21st. Can you believe Christmas was almost a month ago, John? Gone. Gone in the rearview mirror. Happy January. What I started to do is count forward. I'm thinking, okay, three months from now, there's a chance it might be pretty warm. <laughs> hey, well. Right? If I did January, February, March, March, April, I would hope April 21st is kind of warm. Yeah, well, last week, uh, was it last week or the week before, we had unsettlingly warm and freakish temperatures, and then it went right back into the freezer. So um, it's just, I guess it's just the typical weather in the new century, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... I I don't think we can complain, particularly in the Northeast. We really can't complain. Winter hasn't, uh, I don't think winter has been so bad. Nope, nope. Bad I, all, I consider so. a bad winter one where you are stuck. You can't go anywhere. Power goes out, ice storms. I mean, you know, we were just yeah, talking. ice is the worst. Yeah, we were talking before this broadcast about uh, Bob and I were upstate this this past weekend and there was snow. And it literally shut down. Like, and this is strange to us because upstate, they, they don't, if they have hours of lead time, they don't care. They have the plows and the salt. But people, we went, <laughs> I was at the grocery store and I came down a co- like an aisle and I turned and when I was at the where the registers are, it was mobbed. And when we finally got to the uh, cashier, they all just were laughing. This one, the, the girl that was bagging said, she goes, it's only supposed to be three to five inches. And I said, oh, yeah, get it, better get all the bread and milk you can because there's no more in the world. Well, that's what I still don't understand. I mean, certainly in Philadelphia, the, 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 the hint of hint of snub th- throws the place in a panic. And I, I don't understand the milk. I mean, everybody talks about it. But what are you doing with milk and bread and <laughs> making toast or... I don't know. It was a French toast. Everybody jokes about, but <laughs> it's as if you're never. It's as if you're never going to get out again. You have nothing in your house to eat. You can't open a can of soup. You have nothing in your freezer. And and the fact that and, you're going to uh, be buying those two items, um, bread and milk, <laughs> right? Like those are the things you have to have in the apocalypse or when the snow apocalypse comes. I don't know. It, it just it's so bizarre to me, right? Milk, bread, and toilet paper. I don't remember this as a kid. I mean, we we had, well, as kids, no. we would wake up to these big snowstorms or people were, you know, and people would just get out there and shovel and they'd try to get to work. And The big thing was, as you remember, we, we had to turn on the radio and listen to the radio and turn on and listen to uh, whether your school was canceled or not. And in our region, in South Bray Middlebury, they were pretty aggressive about not letting us have the days off. If you remember, there there was a lot of school districts that would close, but we might be an hour late. Or, but and I think about how rural it was then, and even more rural now, or how rural it was then. Um, 
and with all the snow, they buses still went through it, right? N- not everything had to be plowed. We still still got to school. Okay, so you you know, uh, since we used to go back and forth and visit each other, um, me and Tim come from a part of Connecticut that back in the day was so rural that the two towns combined to form a school district, especially, so we all combined at the high school level, but each town had their own elementary and uh, middle schools. Well, I remember once uh, in high school, and this is so this is when our high school was in Southbury and I had to, you know, I was taking a bus back and forth. We let we got on the bus to go back to, you know, school ended, we get on the bus and we're on 84 going up that hill out of Southbury. You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, it was it had been snowing for a while. The roads hadn't really been plowed and everything just stopped on 84. So the bus driver just put the bus on idle. We had the heat on. No one was no one was going crazy and I think someone took out a deck of cards and he was and he was the bus driver was great. He's like, "Hey, no one worry about this. We're all waiting for the plows to come by." Eventually plows came by. They resumed the route and and we got dropped off at home and there were obviously this was long before cell phones whatever. There was no hand ringing. No one was going crazy. <laughs> No, they had like a CB radio in those buses. And I, I remember we, we used to have to go up into the purchase to loop around. And one bus would wait at the bottom. There were three buses. One went toward Roxbury, one went toward Brookfield, and one did the loop in, in Southbury. And one bus would go first. There was like a bird dog. You sent them out. They were on the on the CB radio. Did you make it up the hill? Yep. Okay. <laughs> but now there's such panic with the slight chance of putting your kid, I guess, at risk or whatever. I don't know. So, but it is funny. All right. So here on Unbutton, we have a couple stories for you this week, and we're going to kick off with one that I teased at the opener, which is that um, Cher has a beef with Wendy Williams. And the headline reads, Cher wants Wendy Williams fired over this Wendy Williams show segment. Uh, So in a bit, Williams noted that she finds the Joker star, uh, I think that would be Joaquin Phoenix, Oddly attractive, adding that when he shaves, he has a lip scar. Then she mimed a cleft lip while continuing to talk. He's got one of those. What do you call it? A cleft lip, a cleft palate. Williams and her live audience found it all quite amusing. (laughs) And of course, uh, others like Canadian pro football player Adam Big Hill, whose son was born with a cleft palate, were notably less amused. So then a whole, of course, Twitter... um, Twitter thing emerged and, and, and erupted. And yeah, I, I, you know, when you see the pictures of her doing it, I, I have no idea why people do this. And then the next layer is why would you defend it? Cause I don't, I, this is just beyond the scope for me. This is something that people can't control. You know, parents have to grapple with this. If a child is born with a cleft palate, Wendy eventually apologized and donated to two organizations, Operation Smile and another one that help people uh, overcome the cleft palate and have the surgery. But, you know, I don't even find it like I find what I find amusing is not that she did this, nor do I find a cleft palate amusing. What I find amusing is the, the incredible amount of outrage that comes on both sides. Those who say, Oh, Wendy's being Wendy, leave her alone. Well, well, why not just let her apologize? And of course the people that are rightfully enraged by the fact that she's making fun of something that she shouldn't even be talking about. Yeah, I, I I wonder. First of all, I didn't understand why Cher was so wound up and got herself involved. Well, yeah, but um, and and it's calling for her being fired. But 
I often question sometimes what the boundaries are. And obviously, like you mentioned, a cleft palate, it's a physical condition, right? And it's, it's for some kids, it's just, it's a horrible thing that needs to, and they can, you know, repair or fix, fix the lip. But where do you draw the, and this is another one of those of drawing the line. Do you, can you make fun of, a lot of people are making fun currently of uh, presidential candidate Biden because of a stutter. Or do you make fun of someone's freckles or somebody's hair color or, you know, things that people can't, things that people are born, the way they're born, making fun of them. And so that's my part in this is I don't know where the boundaries are. And I, I guess. Oh, oh, not that oh, I, oh. I don't, I don't condone, I don't condone what Wendy Williams did, but you know, I, I hear lots of people making fun of people's hair or people's nose or makeup or something right where where do you draw the line yeah but see i think that's a bit disingenuous on your part i think you know exactly where to draw the line <laughs> there's no way that if you were on a well, t- can you make fun of somebody with freckles well i don't even know what the funny part of that is well they, they, they always tease people that have freckles and there's i mean it's it's you're born with freckles yeah but I, what, that, I, what i'm getting at is can, is it okay to make fun of that no no no, I would say okay. no, and I think you know that too, and I think that Wendy Williams knows that too. I would like for me, cleft palate is something I would not go near from a joke point of view in a million miles. It's just so um it's not it's it's not like someone wearing a clown outfit to school on spirit day or on on picture day, right? When you're supposed to wear a little tie and shirt and someone comes dressed as a clown. Now I can laugh at that and make fun of that because that's clearly either funny or a joke or there's something about it. But normally, no, I wouldn't go. All these personal traits that are, um, you know, you're just born with, I think it's hands off on that one. (laughs) And the stuttering thing that you brought up, was it Laura Trump was the latest one to to do something about Biden? So... Clearly, if it's coming out of her mouth, there is a bit of a vindictive quality to it, and there's a little poking thing. It's not simply having fun at someone else's expense, you know, for something that might actually everybody might laugh at. It's, it's being nasty. So, yeah, it's that's a strange one. But then you say then people that are gay, right? I mean, it's still it's still okay to, to tease and, and to use the gay slur, right? Well, that's always been, know. yeah, that's, yeah. that's always been. <laughs> I agree with you. Though. The physical condition is something you can't help, but you also can't help being gay. So, but uh, there just always seems to be sometimes selective, selective outrage. So, well, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Now, our, our next piece uh, is just one of those, you know, head scratchers, um, especially if you saw the picture of the state senator who's doing this, but an Arizona senator wants to ban sex education before seventh grade um, and remove the word homosexuality from public schools. Um, So it's Arizona State Senator Sylvia Allen, who is, in fact, a devout Christian, um, and she's a conservative. No. But she, but she wants the this she wants no sex education d- discussed before a certain age, and she wants the word homosexuality pulled out of the uh, out of the learning material. Of course, if this were eighteen ten, I think she might have a good shot at preventing some kids from encountering either smart education about sex that they need to know or the word homosexuality. But in the age of twenty twenty 
where you could just tap a few keys and you have something in front of you in a, a split second in a web browser. It does seem like a, a ridiculous concept, A. And B, here we go again with religious liberty law, right? Yeah, I, I was trying to think back to when we were in school. And I think in fifth grade, particularly the girls, I think they split the boys and the girls apart. And the girls had a had a discussion about puberty and, and the change that they would go through because they mature quicker or earlier than boys. But that was fifth grade. And so I, I'm guess what she's saying here is she doesn't want any of that sort of discussion. And then the homosexuality thing, I just thought to myself, what about the kids that have a same-sex parent or an uncle or an aunt or whatever, or um, they attended a same-sex marriage or whatever? They just essentially want to erase these kids or erase that it happened, right, by not, uh, not being able to talk about it or address it. Well, this so I, yeah. I, I, and this same state yeah. senator in Arizona in 2015 recommended she wanted to put a bill forward that said church attendance should be mandatory. <laughs> how uh, how one? did she get elected? Who elected her? And in our uh, in our democracy, <laughs> you know, this whole thing about church attendance being mandatory, boy, this when I read that. I was like, "Wow, okay, well, there you go." Well, what, what these crazies that what these crazies I always find odd about is, it, it, it's she's not talking about church attendance; she's talking about Christian church attendance, right? Does she care if people go to synagogue or they, they go to a mosque or uh, any other sort of religion? My guess is probably not. I agree. Yep, you're right. So, you know, when she's talking about church attendance, we all know what that's clouded with or what that's code for. Yeah, she was also upset, I guess they said in 2019, she 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 later retracted, but she warned the GOP in Arizona about the browning of America. <laughs> of course, she's in Arizona. I don't know. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, here we are. We we did a story earlier about bullying with Wendy Williams, but if you look at the you look at the picture of this this clown and you pretty much sums it up in my book. <laughs> I almost think we should do another podcast got nothing but good news. <laughs> it's about you know <laughs> art contests and kids doing this and make a wish and I good news good news with Tim and John. All right, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you, folks, it, you'll get diabetes. That's not a bad idea, John. Good news with Tim and John. Maybe that's a Wednesday or Thursday podcast. Yeah, good news. <laughs> it could be a little nugget we do every day. Here's a little piece of good news for you. And on the heels of that excellent idea, here's another one. Tennessee sends an anti-LGBTQ adoption bill to the governor's desk. We've seen these before. Um, the state Senate in Tennessee has already approved it. Uh, another one of these uh, pieces of legislation that I think, at the core of it, it's basically saying if you're a religious organization, you're granted the right to maybe deny someone an adoption if you don't think the home is appropriate to put a child in. And of course, they're going to single out LGBTQ homes. I think it's one of those unintended religious bill consequences thing, but we've seen this before. And here's the thing about it. It's the first piece of legislation in the new year out of the legislature in Tennessee. Tell me that doesn't strike a tone, right? Yeah, and the um, Alfonso David, who's president of the HRC, he condemned the legislation. He said the best thing in summing it up. He said, this bill does nothing to improve the outcomes for our children and care, shrinks the pool of prospective parents, and is a blatant attempt to discriminate against LGBTQ Tennesseans. It's shameful that one of the first orders of business was to target uh, LGBTQ people. I I looked at this, and then they mentioned, there. so Tennessee joins nine other states, which I was surprised about that have the same 
I guess the same uh, same legislation. It was Virginia, Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas, Alabama, Michigan, Mississippi, North and South Dakota. So as my, as our friend Michelangelo Signorelli always says, it's not over, right? These folks are nonstop trying to strip rights away, um, citizens' rights from LGBTQ Americans. Well, and even more importantly, agencies that take money from the secular government, federal or state, are being allowed to do this. So you're a taxpayer, and let's say you're LGBTQ taxpayer— Guess what? Your money is being used to actually deny you a service down the road <laughs> that everyone else can have. Right? So I, I take away the a lot of this other stuff, and I just say to myself, when it's money coming from the pool of individuals, namely the taxpayers, I thought there was a separation of church and state, clear as clear as a bell, but not in our current times, right? Right. Well, we had to, I remember the time we had on Becky Fawcett was on our show a number of times and she has that organization, help us org. Yeah. I love her. And spe- specific and specifically looking for, uh, same sex couples that are interested in adopting and they actually give support to, uh, LGBTQ couples that want to adopt. So check them out, help us org If you're looking to adopt because they're looking for good homes. And a good home is a good home, regardless of who's head of it. Yeah, and did you? I think you mentioned that the primary goal of her organization is to fill the gap between what you may have to spend for an adoption, and if you don't yeah. have those extra funds, her organization steps in if you apply to help you uh, make up the difference so that you can, in fact, complete an adoption. She's really cool. I would definitely check that out. And we could put one more story in, even though we usually use three. Um, we might as well end with one that I just thought was. I took a 50-50 on this. The Trump administration, or the USDA specifically, is proposing to scrap some of Michelle Obama's healthy school lunch policy, and the announcement came out on her birthday. Now, the agency claims it's totally random, and that's just the day they announced it. Others, of course, would look through this and say, aha, here we go again. They're dismantling the Obama legacy. Um, It's one of these things where, look, you and I aren't parents, but if you are a parent and your kid goes to a public school and you're worried about the food they're eating, this just changes some of the requirements for fruits and vegetables, and they could serve French fries again and other things. This was an odd one to me because I thought to myself, you know, I remember what we all ate when we were kids or what we'd bring in our brown bags to school. Lunch was not a a big feast. I don't remember it being the biggest meal of the day. Do you? No, and this and the lunch lunch has always tried to have a balanced meal. I remember even if you got uh, pizza, you got served green beans or something else with it. Ugh, Whether you ate beans, them or not is yeah. another thing. <laughs> but they they talk about food waste here, and and actually, I don't I don't disagree with the in the spirit of what uh, First Lady Obama was doing, and that she thought it would be better for kids to have a if in some cases this is the best meal of the day or their only meal of the day, that they would get some healthy vegetables and less saturated fats and fast food and such. And they were still still saying, I guess the USDA st- still said there was waste. People were throwing it away or not eating it. So this brings back some of the unhealthier foods like pizzas and French fries or whatever, more fat and sodium. I'm with you on it. I'm not sure. Um, kids have such odd eating habits. I do know we have an obesity epidemic in the country, particularly with children. All you have to do is look at any any uh, any of our kids wandering around at bus stops or in high schools and colleges, and you could see that uh, people look very different now than they did 20, 25 years ago. 
And uh, so this obviously the way we're eating and I think any way we can help that is good, but... Uh, yeah, but if you flip it on, you take the opposite view. Um, does the government have to be a nanny state? And don't isn't good, aren't good eating habits taught at home? It's one of those things... I thought I read the article and I thought, here we go again with putting onto the school systems things that should be happening at the home. You know, teach... Well, John, honey, it's not happening at home. Isn't that the problem? Well, teachers aren't disciplinarians. They're not allowed to be, even though they have to deal with discipline problems on a daily basis. I mean, the list is huge of things that they can't and can do, and things that I thought that we used to do or were taken care of, or we were taught in the home setting. So this is one of those things where I like was like, okay, this is this is like a tempest in a the tea. nannies. This is the yeah. nanny state. Nanny the state. Nanny, this this is like the pop. big, the, no big gulps in New York City, right? No big gulp sodas. Uh huh. Yeah. Wasn't that wasn't that the deal? That was Mayor <laughs> Bloom. That was Mayor Bloomberg, and everybody was like, <laughs> hey, Bloomberg. if you don't take my big gulp away. <laughs> <laughs> so, so hey, thanks thanks for joining us today. Those are our our four stories. And look look perhaps to our new podcast, which would be called Good. What was it? Good stories or good times? Good, good news. We're going to call it good news. Good news with Tim and John. John and Tim. Tim and John. Too funny. So hey, thanks for joining us on this fine Tuesday. Be sure to catch us our podcast here, TFG Unbuttoned, every Tuesday, and don't miss our live show, which is T- which is the Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash Wednesdays at one p.m. East. Learn more about us at focusgroupradio.com. Have a good week. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com.